I'm excited to share with you today. Uh, I want to explore with you um, the life of one of the 12 apostles. Uh, to find out what, from him and from the Lord, what it means to have uncommon courage. Courage when it comes to our faith and courage when it comes to obeying God immediately. When he says something, we just do it. And you know and I know that takes courage to walk in that kind of faith. Now, you probably are already guessing, well, which one of those apostles? Well, several of the apostles we read about in the New Testament. Some of them we read almost nothing about except their name. But James, John, uh, Peter, uh, Matthew, Doubting Thomas, Judas Iscariot. None of us want to be like Judas Iscariot. So today, we're going to look at Simon Peter. Now, throughout today, I'll probably say Simon Peter, the apostle Peter, and Peter. Those are the same guy, so don't get confused, and don't let me confuse you with that. But anyway, uh, when, I, when I read about the Apostle Peter, often, especially, uh, I hear moments of, of brilliance, but especially when I read his moments of what was he thinking, I really identify with the Apostle Peter. And I'm sure some of you who have read Scripture quite a bit would identify with him in some of his probably less obedient moments. That's where I find myself saying, oh, this sounds like me over and over and over. So, uh, with that, I think it's interesting that Simon Peter was the guy who ended up being probably the primary spokesman of the 12 apostles. You see him various times. He's the one speaking. You see at the day of Pentecost, after Jesus had left them, the apostle Peter is the one giving the sermon where 3,000 people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So if a guy can mess up that much and be, still be used by God, there may be hope for me. There may be hope for you. In fact, there is hope for us. So Simon Peter, sometimes he would speak very, always he would speak very boldly. Sometimes he would do so accurately, and other times he would do so quite inaccurately. There were times he had a lot of faith. There was times he had a lot of doubt. And so we're going to look at a time today when he experienced something that I don't usually associate with Simon Peter. When I think of him, after having read the New Testament for decades, I don't usually think of this reaction or this emotion or this response from the Apostle Peter. But we're going to look at the Apostle Peter in a time of great fear. Now, all of us encounter fear, and so we're going to wrestle with it today in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verse 22. If you'll turn in your Bibles or your devices or whatever, so you'll have it ready and however you make notes uh, that you'll be ready with that or on the Version app that we have. So you can make notes in this passage of Scripture as God teaches you some things you may not have applied previously out of this particular passage. So the setting is this. Just before the passage we're going to read, immediately before it in fact, it's when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two dried fish. And he had multiplied that, 
fed the 5,000. They had taken up 12 basketfuls left over. So Jesus would have the, the opportunity to prove to those disciples, those 12 disciples, each one of them got a take-home basket out of, out of feeding the 5,000. It was a reminder to them of what Jesus could do. And the crowds were so impressed with Jesus that they wanted to hang around him too. And so here, here are the disciples all caught up in this big event, and they're wanting to hang around and say, wow, wasn't that cool, and have all those conversations that we like to have after those big events and a big happening and a special kind of time where God really does something amazing. And the people are trying to hang around, and it's time for Jesus to move on to something else. And so without being rude or, or anything like that, he is rather strong. We pick up in verse 22 of Matthew 14, and here's what we uh, hear in this story. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat. Now, that doesn't sound like a passive, hey, guys, if you'd like to do this. No, he said, it's time to do this. He made them get into the boat and go before him to the other side of, of the, the sea. He was teaching at the edge of the water. And so while he dismissed the crowds, he, so he sent the disciples away before he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Now, let's, let's keep our time frame here, okay? So he dismissed those disciples, the, the, the apostles, and they were put in the boat and told to go across to the other side before he got there. He was going to go some different method. And so he sent them, then he sent the people away, and then in evening, he was on the mountain to pray. So I'm guessing that it was very late afternoon, and evening would have started pretty much like for us, about 6 p.m. Uh, in, in, the, in the Jewish night, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. So here's Jesus dismissing them, let's say, four or five o'clock, putting them in the boat, sending them across the lake that's about five miles across, all right? And in the evening, then after they're gone and after he finally convinced the crowds to leave, then he goes up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Verse 24, but the boat, the one he sent the apostles in, by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, the same wind that had been there all the time, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately, there's a lot of immediately going on here, isn't there? Immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, 
You are the Son of God. Now, in this short account, we see quite a bit of fear going on. Fear has a way of paralyzing us. Simon Peter and the others, but we don't have much of a story about the others, only Simon Peter, had to learn to deal with fear. He had to develop the courage to trust God, regardless of what the circumstances around him were saying. Now, as I read, I, I read that we're born with two fears as, as an infant, a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises. Uh, I, I don't know the research on that, but as I understand it, all of our other fears are developed over time. We either learn them or acquire them in some fashion, but they're not inherent in us. When we walk by faith in Jesus Christ, I believe he helps us overcome those unhealthy fears. Now, there are healthy fears that we should have. I'm thinking rush hour on I-25, we should have a fear of walking across Interstate 25, don't you? I think we should have a fear of sticking our foot under the lawnmower when it's running. That's a healthy fear. Uh, not one that should wake us up in the middle of the night, you know, in a cold sweat, but that's a healthy fear, a respect. But, but there are unhealthy fears, and I believe with everything in me, they are unhealthy when God says there's no reason to have fear, and we have fear anyway. Let me give you a couple. A fear of what others think about us. Anybody in here who's never wrestled with that fear? No hands. Okay. I suspected that. What about a fear of failure? It's like failure is final with us. There was a song 20 or 30 years ago, a Christian song that said, Failure isn't final with the Father. Now, that wasn't directly out of the Bible. That's, I can't quote a verse, but it's true. Failure is not final with God. And our fear of failure is an unhealthy fear. One more. What about our fear of inadequacy? You know what we need to do with that one? We need to just realize every one of us are inadequate and get over it. Here's why. Because when we come to Jesus Christ, when we give our life to him, when we are born again, he comes in, he promises to live with us and in us. And he promises to empower us to do whatever he calls us to do. Notice I didn't say whatever we decide to do. I don't believe he's obligated to empower us to do some foolish, foolhardy thing that he never asked us to do. But if he asks us to do anything, then he will empower us. He will work in us and then through us to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So it doesn't matter if I'm inadequate. And I can stop being paralyzed by the fear of being inadequate. And I can just move on. And when God says do something, I know the adequacy is going to come from him and not from me. So that's an unhealthy fear. It's a wrong fear to have. 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul says this, something we need to etch in our minds forever. It says, for God gave us a spirit. The wording is a little awkward in this sentence, but stay with it. He gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
So we could say, God gave us a spirit of power and love and self-control. He did not give us the spirit of fear. So fear, we can mark it down. Those unhealthy fears, guess what? They don't come from God. They come from our own flesh, our own worries, from Satan himself, or from the world system, from the world thought patterns. Faith is what gives us the courage to conquer those fears. And Simon Peter lived that truth out here in Matthew 14. I want us to gain three things from this today. Learn from the Apostle Peter and learn from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. First thing is this. Storms come when we're in the will of God. Now, they don't come only when we're in the will of God. But there's a popular thought out there that I hear recurring from people's lips when I talk to them. Well, if I really were a Christian, I wouldn't have these problems. Or I thought when I gave my life to Jesus, my problems would go away. Let me tell you something. Nothing could be further from the truth. That is not what the Bible teaches at all. If we think, I'll give my life to the Lord, and all the storms in my life will stop, and I'll just be living on easy street. The, the Bible never says that. The Bible says quite the opposite. And so we need to remind ourselves that storms will come when we're in the will of God. And let's look for proof in this passage of Scripture, okay? Uh, read with me again the first three verses of this passage. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. So let's establish they're in God's will, correct? He, he made them do that. In other words, he, he rather forcibly insisted that they do this. They were wanting to hang around longer. They still had plenty of daylight to get across the sea. And he insisted that they do this. They are in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, verse 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. They're absolutely, completely, totally in the will of God. And the Bible tells us that the winds beat against them and the waves were about to capsize their boat. This storm came even when Jesus had told them what they were going to do. They th I know they had to think, well, if Jesus told us to do this, everything ought to be easy peasy. But that's not true. I really think some of these storms in life come to deepen us, to deepen our faith, to deepen our character. And it's not that we're outside of His will sometimes. Now, we can do things out of His will and we can create a storm. Make no mistake about it. But even when we're in His will, He will use storms to deepen our character and for us to see how He provides and for us to learn to trust Him more. Life is going to have storms. So we should never judge our spiritual security. In other words, we should never judge how secure we are in our relationship with God by whether we have storms or not. If we did that, then we would be one day secure and another day we would be a wreck. We wouldn't be secure at all. We wouldn't even know if God loves us. And that is not the truth. Just because we're walking by faith 
doesn't mean that all the obstacles are going to be removed. Walking by faith, when you're walking by faith, you can still have relational problems, marriage problems, health issues, a, a bad economy. You can still lose your job. You can still have all kinds of challenges in your life, and you're walking by faith. So when the storms come, the critical thing is that we keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And I believe the events of this night we just read about taught Simon Peter that he was going to have storms even when he did exactly what God told him to do. Second thing I would like for us to learn from, from this story is this. When we're exhausted, we will battle with fear. Let me clarify this. Now, now we'll fight fear at other times. Some of us fight fear more than others. We wrestle with fear. We're in constant fear, and we have unhealthy fears. Remember what I said about that, that, that Jesus is sufficient. But let's look at, the, at these, these men. See, Jesus sent them out on the sea before evening. And then it says, when he came to hit them walking on the water, I'm saying it was about 3 a.m. Let's, because it says in verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. So the night began at 6 p.m., ended at 6 a.m. They had four watches, three hours each. It's pretty easy to figure that out. Six to nine, nine to 12, 12 to three, and three to six. So sometime between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. is when Jesus decided or purposed to come rescue them. I believe as soon as the wind started and the waves started frightening these apostles, Jesus already knew they were frightened. He already knew they were battling with the winds and the wind was against them and they couldn't get across. And they were stuck out in the middle. They were stuck somewhere a little over halfway across a five mile across sea. It was after 3 a.m. He had sent them before evening. So I'm assuming he sent them before 6 o'clock. Any way you want to do the math, they had been on the water more than nine hours. So they have to be tired. They're battling that. They're trying to keep their boat from capsizing. They're struggling. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They're exhausted. They're fighting fear. <laughs> and on top of the fear they have, this apparition shows up out of, the, out of the dark and the mist and the fog and the rain. And they, then they are not only fearful of losing their life, they are scared out of their wits. Because they're seeing a ghost. You know something? I think that's true for us when we're fighting fear. Even when Jesus shows up, we may not recognize who he is. We're so caught up in our unhealthy, unfounded fears of inadequacy or failure or of job loss or the storms around us and those kinds of things that we've forgotten Jesus Christ will take care of his children. It may not look quite like we planned for it to look, 
But he will show up. He will take care of us. But we are so caught up with our fears that I think sometimes when, we, when he shows up, we turn around and we go, whoa, it's a ghost. Instead of realizing it's Jesus Christ himself in the midst of our storm. I think a lot of times when Jesus comes, he frightens us. Maybe because we don't recognize him. But I wonder sometimes if I'm not and you're not terrified when Jesus shows up because we know what he wants, them, he wants us to do, what he wants us to change. We already know what he has said to do. And we've been waiting and debating and delaying out of fear for weeks or months or years. And I think sometimes our fear comes when he shows up in our situation of, oh, he's going to ask me to do that thing again. He's going to ask me once again to obey. And I've been putting it off for years and years. Here's the secret. You never have to be afraid when Jesus shows up. That's an unfounded fear for sure. I think the more storms we walk through with Jesus, the more faith we develop and the less we fear those storms and the more we look forward to him showing up and the less frightened we are when he shows up and the more often when he shows up, the more we come to know it's him and not some ghost or an apparition or something to be afraid of. The apostles had had one other time this happened. If you want to read about it, you can go back to Matthew 8 sometime. He was in the boat with them the other time, and he went to sleep in the boat. And the winds came up, and the, and the sea was rolling, and they were afraid they were going to sink. And they awakened Jesus and said, Master, aren't you afraid we're going to all die? And Jesus said, oh, once again, oh, you have little faith. And he stood and said, be still. And the waters went glassy calm. Now, surely, when Jesus showed up, somebody in that boat remembered, oh yeah, there was another time that Jesus showed up in the storm. And he took care of it that time. No mention of it here, but I know it had to be in some of their minds. And so I know when he showed up, even before he calmed the storm, they had to be remembering and saying, oh, I hope he does it again. Because this is scaring the bejeebers out of me right now. I hope he'll do it again. So, they were exhausted. I want to I I kind of close this thought with a misconception we have. Jesus didn't pluck those disciples off of the storm-tossed sea and take, take them to a resort over in Galilee so they could get some rest and relaxation. He didn't wine and dine them. He didn't do any of the things that we associate with how you get rid of exhaustion. All it took for their exhaustion to be gone and for their fears to be gone was for Jesus himself to show up. Far too often we think the only way we can have relief is to be taken out of the situation. And it was a while before Jesus took them out of the situation and took care of it. 
He walked them through all of their fears, all of their worries, till they got to the point, we'll see in a moment, where they worshipped him, and then he calmed the storm. I think often we look at the storms wrong, and we treat our exhaustion and our fear in an incorrect way. Instead of just turning to Jesus with that exhaustion, we try to solve all of that ourselves. Now, I'm not against getting enough rest, not working too much, all of those things. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are times we're emotionally, spiritually exhausted, maybe not even physically, and we have a wrong approach. Our approach is just turn to Jesus. That's what we need. The third thing I want us to learn is this. We overcome fear by obedience. We don't overcome fear by looking at the fear. We don't overcome fear by studying our fear, analyzing our fear, trying to find the source of our fear, and, you know, dissecting our fear. Here is the truth from Scripture. Your faith in Jesus will remove your fear. Your obedience to the Lord Jesus will remove your fear. Simon Peter's fear gave way to faith when he stepped out of the boat in obedience. Look at verse 28 with me, please. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He wasn't questioning God. He wasn't questioning really if it was Jesus. Simon Peter was simply making sure of the source of his faith, that, that Jesus was going to give him the ability to do what he had asked. Christian faith is not putting faith in your circumstances. It's not putting faith in your ability or my ability. It is placing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and only in Him. That's why we study the Scriptures, to hear from Him. That's why we spend time in prayer with Him. See, Simon Peter first just wants to know that it's Jesus, that it's really Him. And then he obeys immediately. Look at verse 29. And Jesus said, one word, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, came to Jesus. At one word, Peter immediately did exactly what Jesus said. He got out of the boat, he walked on the water, he came to Jesus. Now, listen, there's no way to get to Jesus without first hearing his voice. Peter heard him say, come. You know how we hear his voice? We get in His Word. We read the Bible. We digest it every day. It's like our daily food. It's our nourishment. That's how we hear His voice. And then we obey. We get out of the boat. We walk on the water. Whatever it is. You see, Peter walking on that water physically was no more of a challenge for Jesus than when He asked you or me to obey and trust Him in some area of our lives. To if, if we've given our life to Him, or if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ yet, when He asks you to trust Him and, and repent of sin and believe on Him for salvation, uh, that, that's no harder for God than it was for Peter to walk on water. Both of them are simple, easy. And so we can walk on water uh, by obeying Him in salvation. He asks us to follow Him and be baptized. He asks us to uh, give of, of what He gives us so other people can come to know Jesus Christ throughout the world. He asks us to serve other people. And yes, that takes time. And we think we don't have time. And we're wrestling with it. 
but he asks us to step out and obey, whatever it is. It's different things for different people. But if you're going to overcome fears, obedience is a crucial part of that. Now, obedience doesn't mean you understand why God is doing, asking you to do it. It just means you hear him say, come, just like the apostle Peter did. Listen, I do not understand, for those of you who have been around fellowship very long, I do not understand why a, a year ago God clearly told me to step out of the boat and leave this church for, for a time. I didn't know it was for a time, but I obeyed because I'd never had anything more clear in my life spoken to me. Over months, God said it over and over and over. And he walked with me. And just like the Apostle Peter, he showed me the way to him. And he showed Pastor Charlie. He showed our elders the way he wanted us to walk, what he wanted us to do. And just like the Apostle Peter, he took our hands and led us right back to the boat. And me, right back to the same boat I left, just like the Apostle Peter. I still don't completely understand God's ways, but I know his ways are right. In that case, I obeyed, and God did in my life an amazing work. One final thing. I want you to notice in this passage. You see, the faith that allowed the Apostle Peter to step out of the boat was not sufficient faith to keep him walking on the water. Let me show you what I mean. Verse 30. So he was out of, the, out of the boat. He's walking on the water. And then it says, but when he saw the wind. Now, this, well, you don't really see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. But this is the same wind that had been blowing all night, seven, eight, nine hours. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He saw the wind. He saw the wave. He took his eyes off Jesus Christ and put them on the circumstances around him. Listen. Never, ever, ever look at where you don't want to go. I'll never forget Summer and I, my wife Summer and I, years ago, uh, when we first got our mountain bikes, we were riding some trails before I got smart enough to stay off of single track trails, okay? And then I, I got smart enough to get on those wide bike paths. You know, I'm not a single track trail guy. But I, would re I read the, the material, and they would say, never look at something you'd want to miss. Don't look at the rock. Don't look at the log. Don't look at those kinds of things. You look where you want to go. So I went out and tested it. Sure enough, if I looked at that rock, I would hit that rock almost every time. But when I looked away from it and looked where I wanted to go, I could navigate those paths much better. Over and over, I had that proven to me because I would, I would be riding and I would get fearful because it was just outside my skill set. And I would, I would get afraid and I would look at the rock and sure enough, I would hit that rock and I would crash. It's the same way in our spiritual life. When we look at the wind, the waves, and our fears, listen, our faith will waver and we'll begin to sink. But here's the great thing. The, the, Jesus never gave up on the apostle Peter. He was afraid in the boat. He was afraid when he saw, thought he saw a ghost. 
that he had great faith when he saw it was Jesus. And he stepped out of the boat, and then he saw the wind and the waves again, and he began to lose some of his faith and be fearful. And Jesus rescued him because he looked to the right person. He cried out to Jesus, and Jesus picked him up. Listen, he doesn't give up on us. He doesn't. So, I want you to think about this, please. Isn't that the kind of thing we do? We can laugh at the Apostle Peter or make fun of him. But we, we get so excited. We come to Jesus. We give our life to him. And then he says, your next step is to, to go public and be baptized. And we back off. Or we make a commitment to give so other people can know Jesus. So the ministry of this church can go not through this city only, but through the world. And then we back off and don't trust him. We make a commitment to teach or to serve or to serve children or, or students or whatever way through his church or in the community to serve other people. And then we back off and don't trust him. We make a commitment to walk in purity in our, our thoughts and our actions and our language. And then we back off because we take our eyes off the Lord Jesus and we put them on the waves and the storm. When Simon Peter began to sink, he didn't try to swim back. He didn't call the disciples to throw him a life ring. He looked to Jesus. Look at verse 31. And it says, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That word doubt means why did you try to look at two things at once? Between these two things, why did you try to look at me and look at the waves? Look at me, look at the waves. Look at the waves, look at me. Look at the waves, look at the waves, look at the waves. And you start to sink. Jesus wasn't being angry or mean with him. He was just saying, Simon, here's why you sunk. Here's why you began to sink. And that's what he says to us. Finally, verse 32, look at this. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, Truly, for real, you're the Son of God. Here's what I want to end with when you and I have the courage to really trust God and to not be fearful but to look to Jesus only it will bless and encourage you in your walk with God but guess what else it does it will cause other people to worship the Lord Jesus Christ you know why because they see what he did for you they see what he did in your life. They see what he did with all those unhealthy fears in your life. And they see the courage he gave you to walk in faith. And they will worship.